Everybody, thanks for joining me today uh, with a special live edition of Peach Pit. My name is Jason Longshore, one of the managing editors at DirtySouthSoccer.com. Uh, lots of news today and wanted to hit this with you live uh, tonight, 6 o'clock on a Thursday night. The Atlanta United schedule for their first season is out. Uh, lots of reaction to that. 15 now televised games that's a big statement from MLS and from the TV partners about what they expect of Atlanta United being a big story in the 27 MLS season also some news that has just broken lately uh, Brad Guzan might not be in Atlanta to start the season I will get into that in just a second and the Super Draft is tomorrow. We will have a full hour-long preview on the Peachtree Post starting at 10 o'clock in the morning here at blogtalkradio.com slash Peachtree Post. Uh, my co-host Jarrett Smith will join me for that, and we'll get deep into what Atlanta is going to do with their number two and number eight picks. Uh, both are really up for grabs at this point with rumors swirling that teams are looking to trade up to acquire Generation Adidas players and others that they're coveting. So no telling what's going to happen with Atlanta at this point. We'll stay on top of the news overnight and be with you in the morning to, to dig into it. But let's start with Brad Guzan. So let's go back through the whole timeline here. Atlanta United made a deal with the Chicago Fire uh, before the trade window opened after MLS Cup to acquire Sean Johnson. Um, right before that trade became official, rumors broke that Brad Guzan might be looking to come back to MLS and that Atlanta was interested. Uh, those rumors also said that Atlanta would deal Sean Johnson in order to acquire Brad Guzan through the MLS allocation order. Well, that trade happened. Uh, Atlanta acquired Johnson and moved him on to NYCFC. So everyone has assumed that Brad Guzan is incoming and will happen any day now. Well, back-to-back shutouts with Middlesbrough uh, possibly changed things, as well as some of the information in Sam Stejkal's report on MLSsoccer.com. Could be some other issues at play here that will affect this deal going through as quickly as we thought it might. Um, Reportedly, there's a deal in place with the club and that Guzan will be joining Atlanta United. It's the timeline of when he joins that's the problem. Uh, As we've said all along, this deal has been discussed as a targeted allocation money deal, not a designated player deal. Targeted allocation money can be used on players who earn at least the maximum salary, but less than a million dollars per season. And that's that's very important here because Atlanta has been trying to get Guzan acquired on a free, not paying a transfer fee. If they have to pay a fee, that would bump him over that million-dollar threshold and make him a designated player, which is something Atlanta United does not want to do. If they waited till the summer, then they could get him on a free, and then he would not count as a designated player. That means you don't have your number one goalkeeper that you've been expecting to start your first season ever. That uh, is a challenge for sure. Um, the way the, the designated player slash transfer fee slash target allocation money works, 
if a club has to come out of pocket to pay a transfer fee, that does affect their salary cap hit. So he could be, you know, let's just throw numbers around just so I can explain this. If he's $900,000 a year on salary and you have to pay a million dollar transfer fee, then that transfer fee would be divided up over the length of his contract. Let's say it's a two-year deal. Then that means his salary cap hit would be 900000 for his salary plus 500000 for his transfer fee. That puts him over that threshold. You can't use targeted allocation money. Um, welcome to MLS salaries. I think this is not 101. This is more like 105 or 6. This is pretty advanced stuff. So that's where, that's where we're at. Uh, Status call dropped this today. So what will Atlanta United do about this situation? Um, Tough to say. They do have Alec Kahn. They do have Alex Tambakis already in the fold at goalkeeper. Do they roll with those two and then add Guzan in the summer? Do they go get someone that is experienced to be the backup, uh, which would be kind of a short-term acquisition, not really where you want to be at this point because you don't want to waste that. Um, Alec Kahn is expected to be your number two, and Tambakis right now would be expected to be your number three. And, you know, I've even speculated that Tambakis might be better off loaned out so he plays as a number one in the USL or NASL and gets that experience rather than sitting the bench in Atlanta when he's not going to play. If you don't have Guzan, it's a different conversation. Um, Alec Kahn did start games last summer uh, when Kansas City had some goalkeeping issues. He performed fine. You know, can he, is he ready to be a full number one? Well, that's, that's a question for others to decide. Is he capable of being a short-term number one? I think so. Uh, however, we get back to, you know, the conversation that I think we've been having for quite a while. Do you want a less experienced number one in goal for you with an expansion roster, with a defense that is finding its footing and coming together, and with all of the complications that happen with expansion teams? It's it's a lot to ask. Um, this is just it. So let's let's stay tuned and see what's going on, where this where this ends up. Uh, this is fairly early in the transfer window. Things happen. If if Middlesbrough gets a capable replacement for Guzan, maybe they're a lot more likely to let him go and move on. Maybe they're going to hold him, and Atlanta's just going to have to wait. Uh, but according to Stejkal's article, and if you kind of read between the lines a little bit, they don't have really any wiggle room to pay a transfer fee. Uh, that would bump him into the, the designated player situation and just affect Atlanta United's strategy all the way around. Um, Stejkal says his sources said that Atlanta was hoping Middlesbrough would release from his contract which is also uh, along the lines of things I was hearing around the time of the Johnson deal was that that was a big contingency in Atlanta trading. They didn't want to pay transfer fee to get Guzan. Uh, now we know why it would, it would make him a designated player and that's not where Atlanta wants to be with their third designated player. Stay tuned. Uh, I'm sure more will come with this. Uh, Stay tuned to Middlesbrough's lineups and stay tuned to the Middlesbrough transfer rumors as well, because I think if they find a goalkeeper, then this, this whole situation might change a bit. But as it stands now, according to Sam Sedgecall of MLSsoccer.com, 
Brad Guzan might not be available until after the Premier League season. Uh, that would be in the summer transfer window. If you have any questions about any of that, have any questions about any of the salary player acquisition mechanisms that are going to go into this, hit me up on Twitter at Longshoe. Also, make sure you're following the show uh, at Peachtree underscore post and at Dirty South Sock, S-O-C, for all the latest Atlanta United news. So let's dig into the schedule. That was the big thing everybody's been waiting on today. Uh, Atlanta United's full first first season schedule is out. Uh, we knew what the first two games were already, and we knew the date for the home opener at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and that was about it. Going through it, what jumped out at me was Orlando. We play Orlando three times. We play three teams an extra game other than the schedule format. And it's Orlando, it's D.C., and it's Minnesota. Um, We'll talk about the overall format in a second. But what, what jumped out to me with Orlando is we are playing them in the Mercedes-Benz opener, which is uh, what a lot of people were hoping for. That's Sunday, July 30th at 4.30 Eastern time. And that game will be on over-the-air national, national TV Fox. Um, big time. Big time there that they're putting this game in that spot. The week before, Friday, July 21st, Atlanta will travel down to Orlando to play them. So you're getting a back-to-back with who a lot of people think will be Atlanta's top rivals. Um, Anytime you have these back-to-backs, they get pretty tense. Uh, The intensity is definitely ratcheted up in that second game. Every little thing happened in the first game is still fresh when they play again a week later. So the intensity could be off the charts for the opener in the Benz uh, on the 30th of July. Other things that jumped out, you have the, the away stretch early, which we knew was coming, but it is about as difficult as it could have been. Uh, make sure you check out Sydney Hunt's article on Dirty South Soccer that just hit earlier this afternoon about this in more detail. But Atlanta, after hosting the Chicago Fire on March 18th, they will be on the road for four games. They will travel to Seattle for a Friday night FS1 game at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, They will travel to Toronto for a Saturday, April 8th match, Montreal for a Saturday, April 15th match, and Real Salt Lake for a Saturday, April 22nd match. Uh, Lots of miles there. Tough opponents, especially the first two. You have the MLS Cup participants from this past season didn't make it easy on Atlanta United with the early going um the overall format just so you know kind of how things are set up each team's playing 34 games 17 home 17 away teams are playing their conference opponents their 10 conference opponents twice that makes 20 games they're playing the 11 teams in the other conference once so that brings you to 31 Then there's three more games that will come against conference foes, except for Atlanta and Minnesota. It's an odd number of teams in a conference, so something has to happen. They paired up Atlanta and Minnesota to play each other an extra game. So there'll be, you know, a game here in Atlanta, a game in Minnesota. Uh, Makes sense. I think it's pretty fair. Uh, Big things to, to note on the overall MLS schedule, the final two weeks we'll see games against conference opponents, um, except for one, obviously, because of the odd number. Atlanta will end their schedule, their final two games, with 
a trip to New York to face the Red Bulls on Sunday, October 15th, and then a home match on Sunday, October 22nd against Toronto. Pretty tough uh, final two games right there for you. They do have six of the last eight at home, and that is very, very important when you start thinking about can Atlanta United earn a playoff bid in year one? They have a stretch at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in September of five straight home games. It's in a condensed time frame. It's in about 19 days, but that's huge, and that will be a spot as we talked earlier in this whole process, when we figured that Atlanta would have a backloaded home schedule, we talked about how teams that have done that have actually benefited from it because they get the away games that are tough anyway out of the way early and they get these home games to end it. So Atlanta will host FC Dallas on a Saturday, New England on a Wednesday, Orlando on a Saturday. Then they have a normal week. Then they host Montreal on a Saturday. Philadelphia on a Wednesday. Um, not a whole lot of midweek games in a school either, which is five games in a row at home in about a 19-day stretch. Going to be tough. Then they go uh, away for two. They go to New England, go to New York, then host Toronto, uh, the final game that we talked about. So sorry, six of yeah, six of the last eight are at home. Big deal. Big deal there. That's going to be helpful. Um, 15 national TV games. That is the other point to consider. And that's second in the league behind the LA Galaxy. That says a lot about what MLS and what the television partners expect out of Atlanta United in year one. You don't see this often. Minnesota has eight national TV games this season. You know, there are some teams, Vancouver, Montreal, that have one. That makes sense. They have a lot of national te- nationally televised games in Canada. Uh, Real Salt Lake has two national TV games. New England has two. Columbus has two. Atlanta has 15. That's important. That sets an expectation. That means the league has an expectation. You know, these things don't happen by accident. Atlanta's opener will be the final game of opening weekend where they host the Red Bulls on FS1. The following weekend, they travel to Minnesota for Minnesota's home opener. That'll be on ESPN2. March 18th, they're on Unimas as they host the Chicago Fire at Bobby Dodd Stadium. And then the first game of the road trip where they go to Seattle, that will be on FS1. First four games are nationally televised. Lots of eyeballs will be on Atlanta United to start this season. Lots of eyeballs. Um, It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. So, Super Draft is the big thing, and we're going to get much deeper into this tomorrow on the Peachtree Post at 10 a.m. Jarrett Smith will be joining me. We'll get into all of the talk because now is when it really starts. Now is when you'll start to hear concrete trade offers being made. Now is the time when all the GMs and all the coaches are around the hotel bar at the National Soccer Coaches Association of America convention in Los Angeles. They're all hanging around seeing what is available. And it's been said by many of the pundits who are out there, many of the reporters who are in LA right now that the trade winds are blowing 
there's lots of teams who are looking to move up. You have three talents that have really separated themselves from the rest of this draft class in Jeremy Ababise, Abu Dunladi, and Miles Robinson. And there are teams who do not want to miss out on them. Actually, just received a text from my co-host, Jared Smith. And I'm going to read this. Uh, he didn't say this a secret, so we'll, I'll, I'll get more from him on it tomorrow. But he said, if the Rapids want to move up, would you try to wrangle Zach McMath from them and scrap the Guzan move? <laughs> Jarrett Smith, I think, does uh, own the Zach McMath uh, fan club. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, you look at, at how things can go now. There are no guarantees. You know, Atlanta expected Brad Guzan would be available free and clear. He's not. Yeah, back-to-back shutouts with Middlesbrough. You, you know, Victor Valdez has been okay, but hasn't set the world on fire. You don't have a replacement ready. Brad Guzan plays really well. That whole situation can change. Zach McMath, I don't see him as a number two in Colorado all season. He's going to go somewhere. Uh, not sure if Colorado wants to trade up in this draft, but could Zach McMath be a guy that Atlanta United goes out to try to get? Yeah, absolutely. He's a starting level goalkeeper in this league who is sitting as a number two currently. So he would absolutely be a target. Uh, back to the, the super draft. So there will be teams that will want to trade up. Most people expect Ebobise to go number one. Um, not really many people thinking it will go in a different direction. Uh, I think Minnesota is listening to offers. I don't think they're very likely to accept an offer. <laughs> yes, there are people catching up on Brad Guzan. Yes. Uh, make sure you go to MLSsoccer.com. Sam Stejkal reported that Brad Guzan might not be available until this summer. And now we're speculating on what that means and what could happen. Very, very interesting. Um, Kyle Kessler on Twitter is on board with Zach McMath. <laughs> we we will see. Um, that's that's a good point by Jarrett. I'm glad he uh, texted me that. Let's get okay. Here's super draft. So Ebavise is going to go one. I think everybody's expecting that. Really, it's a toss up between who goes number two, Robinson or Donladi. A lot of people think Abu Donladi might be the most talented player in this draft. He's risky because he's had injury issues. There's been mixed reviews on his mentality on if he's ready mentally as an MLS player to contribute year one. Miles Robinson, by all accounts, very steady, very solid. His individual workouts were very good, good recovery speed, good athlete, can pass, can play it out of the back. Long-term projected to be a national team level center back. Dunlady is more explosive and there are people who covet both. If Ebobise goes number one, which we all expect, there's going to be a lot of teams wanting number two, and some will want Donladi and some will want Robinson. Chicago also has two picks in the top half of the round. They have the number three and the number 11. They're open to looking to trade as well, according to Stejkal in his report. Donladi is a guy that I think teams will trade up for. Some will trade up for Robinson. Don't get me wrong. But Dunlady is a guy that teams will chase because he's just one of those talented goal scorers that don't grow on trees. So what happens next? We're just going to have to wait and see. There's no real rumors out there at the moment as to 
who Atlanta United could be after in that trade. Um, if there's any trading partners out there, uh, Jeff Reuter, uh, Jeff Reuter on Twitter follows Minnesota United. He just tweeted that per Christian Dyer, Minnesota is quote open and motivated unquote to trade out of the first overall pick. I stand corrected. Uh, things are, things are happening right now as we speak. Um, I think the drinks are flowing at the the hotel bar in LA. (laughs) So let's see what happens. Um, Could Minnesota trade? Could Atlanta trade? Could it all be a smokescreen? Who knows at this point? If the picks stay as they are, and that's really all we can assume right now, Miles Robinson is the pick for me. I've been pretty consistent with this. I think he is a safer pick than Dunlady. Dunlady's injury history worries me. The mixed reviews on his mentality worry me. Robinson, you don't need him to contribute straight away, especially if you go out and get Leandro Gonzalez-Pirez from Estudiantes to go with Michael Parkhurst and possibly another center back. You don't have to play Robinson straight away. You can develop him. You could loan him out. Long term, I think Robinson is the play. We'll see what happens. Because he's not a necessity, and because, honestly, Dunlady's not a necessity either for Atlanta, trading becomes more possible for Atlanta to do to get more assets. They do have the number eight pick where they can get depth at outside back or center back or on the wing. There will be options there at eight. A lot of people have asked about Daniel Johnson uh, from Duluth. He's really you know, been lighting it up at the combine. He is a, you know, kind of an inverted winger. He's a left winger. He likes to cut inside. He doesn't blow you off the charts with speed or, you know, power or things like that. Where he impresses you is his soccer IQ. He would be a known quantity to Tony Annan, Atlanta United's academy director, who worked with him at Georgia United. He was a kid who nearly signed to West Ham. Uh, Child labor laws prevented that. He was at boarding school in England and training with West Ham, and FIFA blocked that move. So he came back, lost confidence, was you know really not in his right you know mindset to play well. Went to Maryland for two years, didn't really do anything, and it went to Louisville for the last two years and has improved. The only reason I pump my brakes on Johnson is you have to look at he was a third-team All-ACC selection this year. You don't want to overvalue him based off of a three-day, three-game, five-day combine. You want to make sure that if you're going to take him at eight, he's an eight-pick type of player. I'm not positive of that yet. Maybe you trade down and you get him in the middle of the first round. That might be a better fit. He, is, he does fill a need. Left wing is a position of need right now. Lots of stuff. Um, all the rumors are hitting at the moment. Um, I've only got a couple more minutes with you guys. We'll get deeper into this tomorrow. Consider this whole 30 minutes a tease at this point for tomorrow's Peachtree Post. 10 a.m. We'll be live. Uh, getting into all of these rumors and anything else that pops up overnight, which there definitely will be things that pop up overnight as the rumors start to fly. Um, Doug Roberson has reported on AJC.com about Guzan. Nothing new to it. Uh, Same things that Sam Stedgecall reported. No new information here. So just to recap, Brad Guzan might not be available to start the season, 
You might have to wait until the Premier League season is over to get him. That all revolves around paying a transfer fee by paying a transfer fee that would bump him into a designated player spot, which Atlanta does not want to do. So he might not be available to start the season, which means you're looking at Alec Connor, Alex Tambakis as your number one on opening day against the New York Red Bulls. Schedule, it's big. The biggest thing to me is that 15 games will be on national TV, uh, number two in the league. Lots of expectations for Atlanta United this year, and people want to see what happens. So national television audiences will get lots of Atlanta United. Um, Six of the last eight at home is a big thing for United next season as they push to make make the playoffs in year one. A lot of people are already penciling that in. I think that's that's optimistic, but could it happen? Anything can happen in MLS. If you have any questions about any of this stuff, like I said earlier, don't hesitate. Hit me up on Twitter at Longshoe. You can follow the show at Peachtree underscore post, and you can follow Dirty South Soccer at Dirty South Sock, S-O-C. Uh, we do a weekly Facebook chat. That is on the Dirty South Soccer Facebook page every Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Those will start to be available as podcasts uh, starting next week. And also looking at doing more shows. So stay tuned. Uh, want, we really want to bring you Atlanta soccer as much content as, as I possibly can. That's what we're here to do. Looks like we don't have any trades being made yet. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm having to refresh Twitter kind of over and over again at this point. That's that's where we're at at this point in the season. Um, just stay tuned to all of it. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. for the Peachtree Post. With that, my name is Jason Longshore, and I will see you next time.